The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planner, Greg Cooley, today here with you with our executive producer, Phil Womack, and also our uh, expert in the spotlight today, uh, attorney at law, Amrit Spites. How are you this morning, Amrit? Thanks for having me. It's always great to have you in the studio with us and and, uh, lending your expertise. uh, And, uh, you know, I'm sure you're busy in a a lot of areas, right? I sure am. It's a really busy time of the year. You... uh Got a couple offices around Miss, uh, Cor- uh, North Mississippi, uh, Corinth, Tupelo, that sort of thing? I sure do. My home base is in Tupelo. We cover all of North Mississippi, and we are opening an office right now in Corinth, Mississippi. Yeah, which means more employees? More employees. We're constantly adding on, and uh, we have about six employees right now. Yeah, and uh, another attorney or two. You were telling me off the air that uh, one of your attorneys just got sworn in, passed the bar. Absolutely. We hired this summer a young attorney, Drew Mitchell, who just started, passed the bar a couple weeks ago, and got sworn in last week, so congrats to him. So we're throwing him just right in the deep end, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Working uh, before and now, and keep on going. All right, so um, you guys at Spites Law Firm, you do uh, estates, um, real estate. Yes, tell, tell me what you guys are really involved in as you get Drew We're started. primarily a transactional practice. Mm-hmm. We do real estate closings, estate planning, and we help out small businesses in just about every way they could imagine. Okay. All right. And we're going to get back to that. Uh, if you're a small business owner, um, how you may need an attorney, whether you think you do or not. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about uh, estates. Um, is it easy to talk to somebody about their estate? Or, first of all, is it easy to get them in the room to talk to you about it? Well, it's kind of difficult because mm. typically somebody needs something to trigger them to come. People don't realize that everyone needs a basic estate because, first of all, estate sounds pompous. It sounds like a big <laughs> deal. It sounds like something fancy. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. tell somebody everyone needs a will, maybe they understand it. Mm. But uh, when they start thinking about estate planning, that just sounds like too much of a big deal. Yeah. yeah. But the truth is everybody needs basic planning. Okay. Which uh, in basic planning, there are two or three documents, right? Correct. Everybody needs a will. They need a uh, durable power of attorney and they need a health care directive. Okay, so the will is basically telling the world what my will, mm-hmm. the my personal will is mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not here. Correct. What happens to my stuff? What happens to my stuff and what happens to your family? What happens mm-hmm. to your minor children? Mm-hmm. Think about it. If you have little kids, what's going to happen to them when you pass away? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what the statistic is, but I'd say that the majority of the people who leave the hospital with a baby mm-hmm. are not thinking that what 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 would happen if I'm not here? You know, I have two small children, and I got a lot of lists on what to plan and what to bring home from me when I leave the hospital, and none of those lists included a will. Mm. Yeah, and your will, as it relates to your children, is talking about guardianship, right? 
Correct. It's talking about guardianship, and it also talks about the fact that minors can't really inherit property, so you got to plan for a trust and somebody to handle their financial matters. And if you don't, let's talk about what happens if you don't, and you die intestate, mm-hmm. um, and you have minor children. Mm-hmm. First of all, what happens to my stuff if I die intestate and I don't have all that put together? Well, then you have the court deciding what happens to your stuff, and it's going to go automatically uh, on the basis of law and who your heirs are. Yeah, and if I have children, so there'll be children's parts and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. And then a judge will decide who is the best interest for your children to be the guardian. And, you know, that might not be the same person you think. It might be your parents, or it might be your sister, and it might not be the sister you like the best. (laughs) So you you might want to plan ahead of time who you want. It's amazing to me. You know, I walk by the Chancery Building sometime. Uh, in my hometown, and uh, you know, uh, I know the Chancery judges in town, and they're they're handling a number of matters mm-hmm. in that building. And uh, I, from time to time, mm-hmm. know that somebody's passed away, mm-hmm. and I know that they have minor children. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me how often the sister-in-law mm-hmm. that you don't like mm-hmm. is the one who shows up to court. Right. And what if? The sister you did like didn't come that day. Exactly. And the only person to make an impression on the judge could be the person you don't like. Descendants are out of town. Heirs live in other states. You can't always control who is present and able to be there when you pass away unless you put it down in writing with an attorney. All right. So uh, you said you have a couple of children. Mm-hmm. Um, in your will, mm-hmm. you have considered... Mom, dad, in-laws, brother, uh, other people. Correct. Right? Um, Give me, you know, you don't necessarily have to tell us what your will says, but give give me some some characteristics of people who can handle this job. From your point of view as an attorney, who can handle the job uh, as, uh, or you would want to handle the job as a guardian of minor children. Give me some, you know, characteristics. That My advice would be someone for the guardian aspect. It would be someone who would raise children the way you would want your children to be raised. Somebody with your values, mm. because as guardian, they'll be making decisions about their lifestyle. They will be raising them like their parents. So, and someone that is young enough to raise them until they get to adulthood. So that's what you're looking for with a guardian. Ugh. Boy, it sounds like you're at, you're looking for Superman, huh? Not Superman, just uh-huh. a good parent, a uh, decent parent. Yeah, yeah, somebody who can step in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, with the same uh, values, they're going to discipline them kind of like you would? That's the hope. Yeah. And you need backups. Oh, really? Correct. Yeah, so if you were to name me, hope you didn't, but <laughs> if, if you were to name me, uh, you know, you think, okay, well, if I do pass away, Greg's 60, uh, but he's in reasonably good health. He probably could get my kids to 20, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, he may not. Right. So, um, also, he may say, it's too big a job for me. Mm-hmm. You know, she wrote this will back when I was 50. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, I don't, you know, I've tasted a little bit of the pre-retirement, and I like traveling, and I don't want no baby diapers, and a, a lot of stuff, right? It's entirely possible. So, the, the actually, the wording says if they can't or won't serve. That's exactly what it says. 
then you need somebody else. Precisely. And a lot of people think of their own parents as the best option Mm -hmm. because they love and respect their own parents and Mm -hmm. they thought they were raised well. Mm -hmm. So if something tragically happened to them, like a car accident, they'd want their own parents to raise their children. Mm. But if their own parents predecease them, you need somebody else. Yeah, because sometimes that happens. You, Mm -hmm. you, You put the document together years ago. Right. And in the meantime, you've had the tragedy of losing your, your parents in mm-hmm. this example. And, you know, maybe you didn't think, hey, I had them named in my will. And so to cover that, you just go ahead and put a backup in, right? Exactly. So there are a number of things we're going to discuss with Amrit Spites, our uh, attorney in the spotlight here on the Advisors Roundtable today. Hang in there with us. We're going to come back and talk about real estate and what happens behind the scenes in a real estate closing on the Advisors Roundtable, Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planner Greg Cooley right here today with our legal spotlight uh, on Amrit Spites uh, with Spites Law Firm out of Tupelo and Corinth. And uh, Amrit, we talked in the first segment a little bit about estate planning and the need for that. Before we leave, uh, you know, we talked about what a will is, how to dispose of my stuff, also inside that will, what to do about the guardianship of my children. You also talked about two other documents. There's a power of attorney and a health care directive. Now, quickly tell me what those are and what they do, why I need them. So the first is a durable financial power of attorney. And basically, this is a uh, document that gives you the ability to sign on behalf of someone else. Okay. And the document is kind of lengthy. It lists every type of document you can sign on behalf of the other person. But it gives you the ability to sign checks, sign financial documents, business forms. And what it has to do with estate planning is, let me give you a scenario, okay? Um, say your your spouse or your mother or your grandfather has an accident, and they're in the hospital, and they can't pay their bills. Okay. And you don't have access to their accounts. Okay. What's going to happen? Uh, You're in quite a situation. Yeah. They're not deceased yet. No. They're still alive. Right. Do, do their house payments go unpaid? Mm-hmm. Um, their debts, their creditors? Mm-hmm. No, you can sign on their behalf if you have a power of attorney. Uh, yeah, and actually this personally has come into play for me two or th- mm-hmm. three or four times throughout my career and also my personal life. First of all, my mother and father, uh, they got infirmed. They got to the point where we couldn't trust them with the mm-hmm. checkbook. We mm-hmm. still loved them, wanted to take care of them. They had to be institutionalized. But in the meantime... Bills had to be paid. Tax returns had to be filed. And I had that responsibility. Uh, Had to sign on their behalf. But things got done. And as you said, what if that hadn't been done? Right. And there's actually two different types of powers of attorney. And Mm -hmm. I talk to each of my clients and work with them what would be best. There is a durable power of attorney that takes effect right this second. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have elderly couples that come in and say, hey, I'm ready for my kids to start helping me out. Mm -hmm. Can we set up a durable power of attorney so that my daughter can start paying bills for me? Mm -hmm. Then I have people that come in and say, I'm worried that at some point Somewhere this is going to happen. Future. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we set up what I call a springing power of attorney, meaning it springs into effect. When two doctors say that they are no longer competent and able to act on their own behalf. All right, so Phil could give you one today, which is the durable power of attorney, and you could start signing checks and doing immediately. his tax return. Uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. But if he says, you know, within the next 20 years, this may happen, and I'd like to go ahead and sign something to say I trust Amrit. 
get my estate plan done, finished. We have everything ready for when that eventuality comes. All right. So let's say 16, 17 years from now, mm-hmm. uh, he starts driving the wrong way on the way home and, uh, you know, can't remember how to put the gas in the car and, mm-hmm. and little indicators. Right. Then you... We're set up. Okay. You go get uh, his, his, his doctor. Is that what you do? The, we would. the process here? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You call them and say, hey, Phil and I need to come in for an appointment. <laughs> exactly. And uh, get a second opinion there. And when two doctors agree, we can start acting on behalf of that power of attorney and, and signing documents for them and helping them out. Okay. All right. On a percentage basis of those that you do, mm-hmm. powers of attorney, how many of them are instant and durable mm-hmm. and how many of them are springing later on kind of things? What I see a lot of is married couples that come in and what they want to do is make each other a durable power of attorney immediately mm-hmm. so that if one spouse needs to act on behalf of the other, they could do it right now. Mm-hmm. So if one spouse goes on a lengthy vacation and the other spouse needs to handle some business at home, mm-hmm. they can do that, which is a good marital relationship that mm-hmm. they have going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll put their kids or another family member as a springing power of attorney as a backup. Okay. Uh, And and you brought up a a point where in the past I have been uh, asked to do this by certain clients. Mm -hmm. You said and alluded to it, and it's something that's exactly uh, what has occurred in my life. One of my clients goes on that around the world tour, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be gone six weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, it's close to April the 15th. They want their tax return right, filed. Right. Uh, they have a piece of property up at Pickwick that's for mm-hmm. sale, and they don't want to miss that million-dollar deal. Oh, gosh. So they've signed a document that lets me do it for mm-hmm. them. Now, which kind of document did they sign probably in this case? So the document they signed was probably a durable power of attorney, but it was a limited power of attorney specific uh, to a real estate transaction. Yeah. That's what I would recommend in that yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, there are times mm-hmm. when I'm away or, you know, I go to, to the uh, British Virgin Islands for that two-week thing. And right. I sure wouldn't want to miss that million-dollar uh, real estate deal or something, yeah. uh, There, there's a way to handle that. There absolutely is, especially if we're talking about real estate. Real property is um, such an important document that I recommend. Powers of attorney are great. Mm-hmm. It's a really easy way to buy and sell property when you go on trips. Mm. Um, just get that power of attorney handled before you leave. There Sign you it, get it notarized ahead of time, and have a lawyer draw it up specific to that transaction. And, you know, go have fun and not worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, don't miss the deal, huh? Exactly. Don't miss the deal and get to go on vacation. Now, the other, uh, so we talked extensively about the powers of attorney. Let's talk about that health care directive that you alluded to. So I need a will in my estate plan. I need a power of attorney, springing and or durable. Correct. And I need to have the health care directive. Correct. Okay. What, What does that cover? So the healthcare directive is a way of making decisions about your health and end of life decisions ahead of time so that your family doesn't have to make those decisions for you. And I know it's kind of sad. It's a bit of a morbid topic, but it's so incredibly important because when it does come to the end of your time, you don't want your family having to make those incredibly hard decisions. No. And quite actually, it makes it a little more palatable and easy if mm-hmm. I see mom's signature on that page. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Right. Now, 
if she did sign and she says, you know, try everything you can for 30 days mm-hmm. and give me all the pain medicine that I can take, even if it hastens my death, I don't want to be in pain. Right. Um, do I have to? You know, if, if she has signed this and I have this piece of paper, do I have to show it to the world or can can I? You have to do what mom says. Oh, yeah. Once mom has said it, once she's signed it, yeah. you're yeah. bound yeah. And or off the hook, depending on how you think about exactly. it. That's exactly where I want to go mm-hmm. with this. You know, I, I don't want to think of it as I was bound. I was off the hook of making the right. decision because I got two other brothers. Right. You know? And I, I, I didn't want us to have to. It's not your fight. It was mom's decision. Yeah, it's her body. It's her mm-hmm. mind. It's her soul. And so, you know, let her In make In her it. handwriting. Uh, yeah. And, and quite actually, there, were, there was a whole lot in that document. Mm-hmm. Like three or four pages. Right. It said a lot. What all did it say? What, what was in there? Uh, it, did it talk about certain drugs? Did it talk about certain procedures? Did it, so the document I have, when I, when I sit down with somebody about a healthcare director, there's a few things I like to point out. First item is that um, no matter what you write down in this document, just for anybody listening, the doctor's always going to respect your decision. So if you are awake, it doesn't matter if everything you check says, pull the plug, don't give me anything, I am ready. Mm-hmm. If you tell the doctor, wait, 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 I'd like some medicine, please, now, uh-huh. that doctor's going to respect your wishes. Okay. So as long as you're alive, it does not matter what you write down on a sheet of paper, if you can talk to your doctor, they're going to do what you say. Okay. So don't let that stop you. Okay. But then once you get to the end of life decisions, they ask you several questions. Okay. They ask you if you are a close to death, acute illness within so many um, days or hours of dying. What kind of care do you want? Do you want everything? Do you want uh, chest compressions, mm-hmm. um, a ventilator, all of these things? Or do you want just basic pain medication and, okay. you know, a chance to greet your family and welcome them and then let go? Okay. All right. Um, and do you see people labor with this? It's a tough decision. They haven't thought about it until you put the document in front of them. Maybe to this extent, uh, sometimes it, it, it shakes them into almost changing their mind at the last minute before they put pen to paper? The only people, honestly, most people have already thought about it. Hmm. Uh, most people are just immediately checking a box. They know. They're either like, you know, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Or they're like, uh, Jesus can always save me, keep me hooked up to everything. <laughs> right. Do not, you know, do not unplug me. Right, right, right. Um, so they have strong opinions. Mm. Um, but occasionally I have people that want to add a little bit of extra language and I'll work with them. Oh, really? They'll say, look, I want to give my body a chance to heal. I wouldn't mind being hooked to a ventilator. Can we ride out there two weeks? Give me mm. two weeks. Mm. And I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm sure the doctors would love to know that you have an end date in mind. We're going to write out mm-hmm. that if you are, for example, the one that says brain dead, um, like the Terry Shavo case, if mm-hmm. you are completely brain dead, keep you hooked up for no more than two weeks, and then you wish to be unplugged. Oh, so. good. So, so you can almost customize this. You can absolutely customize it because it is all this document is is you expressing ahead of time to your physicians what your wishes are so your family doesn't have to make those decisions. And, and you know, sometimes we do see a little pushback from people about talking about this because, as you said, it is a little morbid. But when we tell them, you're not going to have to take the boilerplate document. Precisely. You're going to be able to customize this to you. 
Mm-hmm. You just have to spend a little bit of extra time talking with clients about this and realize that not everybody sits around the dinner table talking about <laughs> ventilators like we do. Um, yeah. So once right. you make them comfortable and, and understand yeah. that they have options and we can work with it, mm-hmm. that um, we, we generally get a good result. And I know that a lot of people out there, you know, driving down the highway, they got the advisor's round table on a gown and they're going, there Greg is. He's talking about that will thing. He keeps on and, you know, <laughs> it. It seems like every time I tune into the show, he's talking about I'm telling you, this is important. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this is something you need to do. You're grown up now. You need to have a will, a power of attorney, and a health care directive. And you need to talk to somebody who does this pretty often. And, uh, and I'm going to keep <laughs> harping on it <laughs> until you do it, uh, America. Uh, we're at a, a break again here at the Advisors Roundtable. We're going to take a break while we talk to Amrit Spites and talk to you on the other side of the break about things related to... Re- Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planner Greg Cooley here today with Amrit Spites, our uh, resident uh, legal expert in the spotlight today. Uh, so Amrit, we talked a fair amount about estate planning in the previous two segments. Let's talk about a little bit about uh, real estate. You do a, uh, some real estate closing. You said you do a transactional kind of practice? Sure do. All right. So... Um, Commercial real estate closings, residential real estate closings? They do some commercial real estate, primarily residential. Okay. All right. So we're talking um, uh, primary residences, uh, investment properties for yes, people who, who who have rental property, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Absolutely. All right. Uh, of the people who come to a real estate closing with you guys, ever find any of them, this is the first time? Absolutely. Really? <laughs> Some of my favorite clients, first-time home buyers. <laughs> Why are they your favorites? Well, they're just so excited about the process. <laughs> oh, oh, are they? <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Some of us that have done this a few times get a little on the jaded side. But first-time <laughs> first home buyers are just having the best time, yeah. uh, unless they're a little nervous, in which case I remind them that this is the best time, and we, we have a great, great experience. Well, uh, that's the reason I bring it up. I think first-times... Mm-hmm. For anything in life, right, good or bad, can be anxious. Yes, for us. Yes, right. So let's take the anxiety out of a real estate closing. You find a, you know, you're thirty years old and you've never mm-hmm. done this before, and you find a piece of property and you talk to a real estate agent, and uh, we think we can afford it. Okay. We call our financial advisor, we call our banker, whatever, and mm-hmm. we talk about what the payment could be and what my down payment's going to be. And we think, hey, we're, let's make, make an offer. Okay. All right. Um, they sound terrified already. Yeah. I mean, really, I, I, I quickly went through three or four major decisions. Absolutely. Hmm? Yes. Uh, because not only am I thinking about buying this piece of property because I can afford it and it may hopefully meet my needs, but where is it? Where's the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Which bank am I going to use? How much does this cost? Mm -hmm. There's a thing called closing costs. All these things start being thrown at me. I'm 30 years old. I've never done this. (laughs) Right? Right, exactly. So that's part of the anxiety you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Now, you haven't even come into the picture, Big Bad. They don't know I exist yet. No, no. (laughs) Big Bad Lawyer hadn't been brought in yet. Right. Right? But we make an offer. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and the, the, the buyer agrees to our offer, and the real estate agent says, you know, you prepared to close within the next 60 days, or whatever the contract says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, which attorney do you want to use? Right. Right? This is kind of the, the process that, that... That's the process. Yeah, all right. Which attorney do you want to use? Well, do I get a choice? How many <laughs> people do this? Right. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. I've never done this before. You get a lot of referrals from real estate folk. That's typically the way it is. They uh, Realtors have a list they go by, mm. and they'll typically send the list to their clients, and the clients will look at the list, and if they recognize their name, they'll be like, oh, wait, do I... Is that that girl I know? Uh-huh. Uh, so that that's lucky. Okay. But otherwise, it, it would come from a realtor, and, and they might say, well, this one here, she does a good job. So you get you probably get referrals for real estate closing from realtors, mm-hmm. from bankers, and from other people that you have worked with and you have closed on real estate. May, they may tell their, their sister, man, the next time I buy a piece of real estate, I'm going to use right, that person. Right, right. It's normally the buyer's realtor or banker that was in that referral. And then occasionally you have consistent sellers who Mm. would say, I'd be willing to pay some of the closing costs if you'll use this attorney that I like. Oh, okay. And why would they like, not that I wouldn't, but why would they like you more than, what, what what would you do that a consistent seller would be more attracted to? Would, Would it be that you do it quickly? Consistent work product and consistent results. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that's good to know. Now, let's talk about uh, this process we're in now. This 30-year-old has found a piece of property. They're talking to the real estate uh, person. The real estate professional it refers you. Mm-hmm. The phone rings at Spite's Law. Yes. Take me through the process of what y'all are going to do behind the scenes before we even get to D-Day. Well, if I went through the entire process, we would be here all day. So yeah, I mean, we, really, we will we will not go through the paper I, I trail. I want people to know that the, a would little bit of that line the entire walls. But yeah, um, but I, I have this massive book that I created for my entire staff. It's called Spite's Law's Book of Knowledge, and so uh, <laughs> they I have to come up with cute names because that's just how I roll. Yeah. But uh, but everyone in my office has this massive binder, and uh, it it lists every step of the process so that we can all do the same thing consistently each time we do this process and so when a contract comes in um, we have to put all of this detailed information into our system and the contract if you've ever gotten a real estate contract you need to make sure you thoroughly read your real estate contract Uh because the number of clients that I have that come in that do not realize what fees they're paying Mm. it is insane we get to the closing table and they're like what did I agree to pay for that Uh and then I have to pull out my file and say, look here, you said you'd pay $5,000 in closing costs. And they're just shocked because Uh they did not even realize they'd signed something that said that. So are you telling me there's a possibility that little Mr. Number uh, 30-year-old over here needed to talk to you before they agreed to this? There is a decent chance that they should have gotten an attorney to look at it, yes. Mm. But I should tell you, they should be reading your entire contract before yeah. you sign it. Yeah, whether you're um, an attorney or not. There, There is, you get excited, you get property, mm. you get your contract in your email, mm. and then you just click through docu-signing everything. Uh-huh. You need to pause and read all of the numbers before you docu-sign. Okay. And ask a question. And ask a question or two. Your realtor is your representation, okay. and they're good folks. Just Ask them. They will answer any questions. That's why you hired them. So are you telling me that some of this I could negotiate with the seller, maybe? Of course. Absolutely. This $5,000 and say, hi, I'm going to pay your asking price, but 
Split it with me. Mm-hmm. Huh? Absolutely. Okay. And these are the things you need to understand ahead of time. Okay. And you need to slowly, you don't need to be sitting at the closing table with the attorney and confused as to why you're having to pay that. Uh, that's something you need to understand when you signed your contract. Okay. All but right. that's the first thing I do when I get your contract is we go through it line by line and make sure we understand what you're paying for. What you said you'd do. Precisely. Okay. All right. Then what else you do? All this paperwork you have to do behind the scenes. Because I want people to appreciate that, you know, they sign something, they docu-sign something, whatever, with the real estate person. Three weeks later, they show up to your office. In the meantime, you had to earn. Right. So then we get in contact with the bank, and we understand what exactly the bank needs from us. And what they normally need is to have clear title on your property. So we find out where your property is located, and I can technically cover the entire state of Mississippi. I do closings all over the state, primarily focused in North Mississippi, but uh, we will send an abstractor, is what they're called, to the county where your property is located. Okay. Um, because most counties in Mississippi do not have all their records online, so we have to physically send somebody to the county mm. to do a title search. Okay. And we will go back 33 to 55 years, depending. It could go back even farther, depending back what the, the farthest deed we have to go back, searching the title okay. to look for the... Uh, oldest deed to look for liens to look for debts against the property we need to make sure that there is nothing hindering this property of being free and clear title for the buyer what what are the top two or three hindrances you find if greg cooley wanted to buy a piece of property somewhere what do you find you you find that maybe uh there's a, an estate mm -hmm. that this thing came through and not all the heirs Signed off right. on it. You find out maybe there's an outstanding lien that right. may have been paid, but the paperwork wasn't mm -hmm. filed. What, what do you got? Those are some easy ones. So the the things that aren't issues, but we always have to clear. So non-issues, but need to be cleared is the standard mortgages and the taxes that are often unpaid. Okay. So those are just things we have to clear. We, we see them there. We clear them off your title. Um Things that become issues are, like Greg said, heirs. Mm. So it could be an estate or it could be somebody that is deceased. They don't even realize they have estate property yet, but we discover that somebody that should be signing is in fact dead and no one thought to tell us. Ooh. Right. So that is a problem. Another problem that people don't realize is a problem is unpaid taxes. Mm. One year of unpaid taxes, maybe not a problem. Three years of unpaid taxes and then your property went to a tax sale, major problem um, so um unpaid taxes can get difficult very very quickly uh, all um, right and so you're you know here i am i'm this little 30 year old mm -hmm. and i'm so giddy and my wife's happy because right. the kitchen's the right size right and a week or two into it you give me a call right or give the real estate person i give a your call. real estate person a call and i said i know i know you think you're closing in two weeks but um, we're going to have to hunt down six heirs, and <laughs> one's in California, one's in Indiana, and mm -hmm. the other three are in another continent. So we'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So. Oh, my goodness. That's the kind of thing. When people say, gosh, I just don't understand why my closing was delayed. Somebody is just not competent somewhere. Mm -hmm. Or some of us are quite competent, and we want you to have a really good, clear title and own your property for many, many years. And quite actually, that is a, one of the major points I wanted to make with you today is that it's not that there's incompetence. Mm -hmm. It's somebody who is so competent, they're fixing something 
that was an incompetence 50 years ago. Correct. And a lot of times we'll see a small issue with a couple of closings back that somebody overlooked, but we're not going to overlook that. We're going to fix it before we give it to you. We're not going to let a problem keep going down the line. Now, you're doing that fixing because you're a good person and because you're ethical and you took an oath, but also you got a little liability there, right? That's the same. And I don't want to, um, well... One, I want to help the next attorney down the line, but also I don't want that attorney to come back and harass me because the last thing I want to do is uh, the next closing, five years from now, when you sell the property, them to call me and say, uh, Amrit, I know you're a good attorney. Did you miss this? I'm like, oh, God, that's so embarrassing. Um, No. We don't want any embarrassment. We're up against another break here at the Advisors Roundtable. One more segment with Amrit Spites at the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planner Greg Cooley here today with Amrit Spites, our attorney in the spotlight today. So, Amrit, we've talked about estate planning. Mm-hmm. We've talked about uh, real estate closing. And you also said that in your practice, you do a fair amount for small business owners. Tell me about how that works and, and some things that maybe small business owners would need an attorney for. Well, first, I like to help small business owners from the very beginning, if at all possible. I know some people start out their business without even thinking about their structure, how they're going to set it up. Are they going to do a limited liability company or are they going to incorporate? Mm. Um, My preference is to help them from the very beginning, set up their company, set up an operating agreement, make sure they've got their tax ID number. And uh, these sorts of documents aren't just a formality if you start your business right at the beginning. Beginning. Once you grow, it will be even better. So all I want to do is plumbing, man. You know, I, know. I, I just, I just want to be a plumber. I don't want to think about legal and I don't want to, have to think about tax, but, but I need to. You do because you do have to have some legal protections. Mm. And here, here's the thing. You need to separate out your business enterprises from your private life, and you need to separate it out financially mm. because you, your, your poor little plumbing business could get sued. And if your business gets sued, you don't want that person to take, you know, your personal belongings and your personal money. So you have to separate it out legally, and that's what an attorney can help you do. Okay. So you're saying that the plumber, mm-hmm. the electrician, Mm-hmm. The guy who cleans windows, the the, right. the people who work on the cars, the people who are doctors, everybody who is in business for him or herself right. needs to think about how they're structured. The baker, the beautician, every small business, no matter what you think you're doing, as innocent or uh, simple as it is, uh, needs to have a separate legal entity. And then if you have different businesses, each business needs to be its own legal entity separate from the others. All right. So the, uh, I do one of these separate legal entities mm-hmm. like a limited liability uh, company, LLC, mm-hmm. I hear all the time. And, right. And I do one for my plumbing business. Right. Tell me what protection I get out of that. So... Um, Any income you make from that business, you're going to want to put into separate accounts with that business. Okay. And then any money for your family, you're going to keep in your own family business. That way, if you were to make some sort of uh, error with your business, I'm not sure what a plumbing tragedy would be. You Mm -hmm. you men might have to fill me in here. I'm not (laughs) sure what sort of plumbing tragedy would cause a big lawsuit, but let's imagine something horrible. All right. somebody. one. I can tell you. All right, so the plumber came and worked on, uh, well, my house and Mm -hmm. my business one time. We'll talk about my business. Worked on the business, Mm -hmm. upstairs, 
there were apartments up there. Okay. Did a lot of plumbing work in the middle of the night. The mm-hmm. plumbing didn't work. Mm-hmm. Lots of leak. Water came down on lots of computers. Oh, my gosh. It shut us down for two or three days. At this time, this was a long time ago before we backed up to the cloud oh every 15 minutes. Right. And so, yeah, this plumber was not my most favorite person the next Well, morning. I imagine he cost you a whole lot of money. Yeah. And then you would want the plumber to give you that money back. Yeah. So you probably sued or went after the plumber in some way. So yeah. how is that plumber going to come up with the money? Uh-huh. Well, if that plumber does not have a separate legal entity, he's probably trying to come up personally with any funds he can. So he's got to go home and tell his wife, darling, we're going to have to get a, a, a line of credit. Yeah, we, or we're going to have to get a second mortgage, right. Mm. Um, whereas, if he had a separate legal entity, you would just be trying to sue his business. That's the only thing you could go after because that is who hurt your business. It wasn't Joe the Plumber. It was Joe Plumbing LLC. Okay. All right, so inside this LLC, this plumber probably has some tools. Mm-hmm. He may have a truck. He may have a bank account. Right. And he should have some insurance products if he's smart. So now lead me down that that path. If he does a lot of work at hospitals, Mm -hmm. in banks, in financial firms like mine, big manufacturing facilities, you know, he's sitting here thinking, oh, my goodness. I could have a fifty or a hundred thousand dollar claim against me. Right. If some me or one of my employees screws up. Right. So he calls his insurance provider and he says, hey, guys, I totally screwed up. Call Greg Cooley and make him happy. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that's what he does. And so if he, if he had the insurance product, mm-hmm. some kind of liability, professional liability, mm-hmm. umbrella policy, whatever they structured for him, then maybe he doesn't have to um, lose his truck. He can stay in business. Right. Maybe he doesn't have to mortgage his home Mm -hmm. maybe there's an insurance claim there where the insurance company says okay you know you got a five thousand dollar deductible mr plumber but uh, it's going to be painful for you but it's better than losing your business your livelihood your family (laughs) your house and all this is possible because he went and talked to you about his structure started out with structuring your business properly on the front end all right how many people come in before they open the flower shop, before they become a plumber, and talk to Amrit Spite's law firm and get it done on the front. Not enough. I, mm. I, I have a lot of people that do come in early on, but typically it's a little bit after they got started. Um, mm. And they heard about me from a friend and thought, gosh, they should probably do something formal now. Because mm. they've actually started going and it's looking like it's going good. So now we should probably get something in writing. Okay. Um, so, I mean, better then than later. <laughs> I, I've had somebody with thriving businesses show up and really realize that they didn't even realize you needed to file something with the secretary of state's office Woo! yeah um so i was like how did you get this far like what what is going on with the bank like is everything in your personal name i've I've had panic attacks in my office over these people yeah but um but usually it's within early on in their business they're, they're realizing oh this might work so let me go to the attorney let's talk about the bank a lot of time you know the bank they're in business mm-hmm. as a bank mm-hmm. and they have uh, money mm-hmm. and when they lend it to me they want collateral mm-hmm. to back it up a lot of times i don't have any proven track record i'm just mm-hmm. going into the plumbing business today right and so they say well you haven't done an llc mr cooley so the only thing we have here is your home Right. And so maybe I used my home as the collateral to be able to go buy that truck. Right. Uh, get into this business. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you 
no, I'm five years into this, and I've had my, my head down, my nose to the grindstone, and I've been building this plumbing business. Right. And all along, my house is still at stake here. Yeah. And then I come see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, really, Lord. that's what happens in real world. That is what happens. Then it's time for me to get all of this set up, and you're going to start refinancing things mm-hmm. and get it out of the name of your business. Good heavens. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 you know, the business has been doing fine. Right. But what I've done is every time I had a little extra money, I went and hired an extra person. Right. I don't have a lot of assets here. Right. Huh? And the bank's still saying, you know, we lent, we lent you $50,000 five years ago. And right. you're making your payments. Mm-hmm. But if you want out of this, I need some other kind of collateral. So it there's a so lot easy of easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it happens some every day in America. Mm-hmm. So start it right. Absolutely. In the beginning. If you don't, do it as quickly as you become aware that you need to yes. do these things. And... We've already talked about three or four professionals involved in your life. You're probably going to have an accountant doing your taxes and helping you account for things. Correct. And you're probably going to have an insurance person if you're doing this correctly. And now you're going to have an attorney. Mm -hmm. And you didn't even know that you were that significant, Mr. Plummer. (laughs) You are that significant, Mr. Plummer. You are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, like going back to the point you made earlier about the estate, mm-hmm. the word estate, sometimes we don't think we're as significant as we really are. You know? Right. But uh, over the last 40 years, you've built an estate. You own a piece of property. Maybe you own some hunting land. Maybe you own a place at the, at the, at the lake. Maybe you own, have, have multiple vehicles. Maybe you have investments. You, you have an estate. You have a thriving plumbing business. Yeah. Um, so don't discount yourself. Don't discount what you do. And don't think you don't need professionals in your life. Is this fulfilling for you? This 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 law thing, all these things you talked about you do this morning? Absolutely. Helping all these people uh, realize what they have grown, what they're working towards, and, and helping them make it better. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I heard somebody say one time that, you know, if you do what you love, you really don't feel like you're working. You don't work a day in your life. Uh, sometimes we feel like that. It's true. When when we're helping people and when uh, we, you know, help people understand that, hey, there's just one or two things I can do for you to change something bad or what could be. Something bad. It's always great to have Amrit Spice with the Spice Law Firm here in Corinth and Tupelo. And uh, congratulations on on your your practice growing. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll have you back again, and uh, you know, make sure that maybe next time we bring that young attorney in here. And oh, Drew would love it. That's great. Thank you for listening to the Advisors Roundtable today on Super Talk Radio. Hopefully, we discuss something that has something to do with your life here on Super Talk.
The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Mm-hmm.